from the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Hello there, this is the WIA News for week commencing November 14, 2010. I'm Graham, VK4BB. Sable Island flip-flop, the November edition of Amateur Radio Magazine. The ACMA News, countdown continues for the Spratleys de-expedition. Rebuilding Broadcasting from Ground Zero. New offshore radio book, Death of a Pirate, and Copper Thief Electrocuted in Los Angeles Suburb. All up and coming in this edition of news from the Wireless Institute of Australia for week commencing November 14, 2010. Sable Island flip-flop. Sable Island de-expedition back on again. Randy N0TG reports Sable is back on the calendar. The rescheduled dates are now December 6 to December 13. Fortunately, several critical details have been resolved much sooner than expected. WIA Centenary Award update. Claims for this popular operating award are still arriving, but if you're thinking of making a claim, it must be done before the 30th of January 2011. This limited-issue Amateur Radio Operating Award is part of the celebration of the centenary of organised amateur radio in Australia. Each claim is verified as meeting the award rules which appear on the WIA website. A further 24 awards have been issued in the past week, taking the total number so far to 336. News from Central Queensland, lunch with the WIA President. As this WIA National News goes to air this morning, Sunday, November 14, hams in the Rockhampton region are listening to the special news transmission being made by the Radar Club station VK4CHV live from the Rockhampton Heritage Village at Parkhurst. The comprehensive static and live display, and hopefully not too much static, the display of historical radio equipment and modern-day apparatus is being inspected by WIA President Michael Owen, VK3KI, and WIA Board Member Ewan McLeod, VK4ERM, prior to the WIA QAC lunch with the President. This year sponsored by the Radar Club and being held at the Rockhampton Leagues Club during the afternoon. Many local hams, along with representatives from radio clubs right across VK4, will be hearing first-hand about activities and plans that WIA are involved with and will be able to give valuable feedback to Michael and Ewan to assist in the future direction of the Institute and how it can best serve its members. Make sure to keep the local callback operators busy after the news transmission this morning. CSIRO have unveiled a new wireless technology designed to bring broadband to people living beyond the optical fibre network. If implemented, people living in the bush will be able to connect to high-speed internet just by using a new set-top box. CSIRO aims to reuse old analogue TV channels that will be switched off in 2013 to enable multiple users to upload information at the same time without reducing their individual system's data transfer rate of 12 megabits per second. CSIRO's spectral efficiency is three times that of the closest comparable technology and the data rate more than 10 times the industry recently declared minimum standard. Its 12 megabits per second six-user system works in the space of one television channel, approximately 7 megs wide. This means any rural property or business that can currently receive TV signals could in future connect to high-speed internet just by using a new set-top box. Fries with that? McDonald's Australia is launching contactless credit card technology in its stores that will allow customers to pay without swiping, signing or using a PIN. 
that technology, to be rolled out later this month, follows a number of other merchants moving into the contactless payment space, including convenience store chain 7-Eleven. With Visa PayWave, customers see speedier transactions and they can pick up their food with just a wave of their card, McDonald's Chief Information Officer Henry Shiner said in a statement. A number of banks and financial institutions are already beginning to distribute contactless payment card which operate via radio frequencies. Both the banks and merchants are emphasising the use of up-to-date security measures. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In the top end, it can be heard on repeater 6900 and on HF on 3.555, 7.050 and 10.130 megahertz at 9am local time. I'm Spud, VK8ZWM. Hams across Australia, VK0, Macquarie Island, VK0. Kevin, VK4KEV, is QRV as VK0KEV for about 18 months whilst on work assignment. Activity is on 40 and 20 metres using SSB and digital modes in his spare time. QSL to home call, Victor Kilo 4, KEV. Material for the next Amateur Radio New South Wales time capsule is now being collected. It's intended to be for the next 25-year period and opened in 25 years' time, that is 2035. Everybody is invited to contribute some small item. A good example would be your QSL card contents of the last time capsule assembled in 1985 are to be displayed in the glass showcase on the mezzanine level at the top of the stairs in the centenary building at Dural. VK3 and from VK3 here is Bruce Lees. Short talks on interesting topics wanted. The Centre Victoria Radio Fest Number no. 4 Organising Committee is keen to hear from anyone who can deliver a presentation as part of its mini lecture program. Anything that can be presented in a concise and interesting manner will be considered. From DC to daylight and beyond, antennas, techniques, special modes, homebrew, or DX operating aids, tips, and hints. A mini lecture may also include a static display or active demonstration. Among those in the audience will be many who are new to amateur radio and ready to learn more about what the hobby has to offer them. Anyone wishing to be a part of the mini-lecture program should contact, without delay, the organising committee via email radiofest at amateurradio.com.au or contact the coordinator Peter Cousins, VK3 BFG. Plan ahead now for the Centre Victoria Radio Fest number no. 4 at the Kyneton Racecourse on Sunday the 13th of February. From VK3 to 4 and the TARC AGM is happening soon. In fact, catering numbers are needed by this Tuesday. The 2010 Annual General Meeting of the Townsville Amateur Radio Club happens Sunday, November 21 from 7am at Area 2, Rossiter Park, Aikenvale. The AGM will start off with a scrumptious breakfast with pancakes. Relay your AGM numbers as soon as possible to fill VK4HSV. Let the Townsville callback operator know straight after today's Q News. VK7 Central Highlands Hamfest, December 4 at Miena. The Miena Hamfest is only weeks away, and preparations are well underway with a good lineup of traders from interstate who have already booked their places for Miena. The Hamfest is set down for December 4 at 10 a.m. Oh, and if anybody has anything they think could add value to the day, contact Dave, VK7OB. In ACMA News, the Australian Communications and Media Authority is proposing to continue to prohibit the supply, 
possession and operation of jamming devices designed to deliberately interfere with public mobile telecommunication services, PMTS. PMTS services include 3G networks and equivalent services such as mobile WiMAX. Since the original prohibition was made in March 1999, technology, economic and social developments have resulted in a proliferation of devices that consumers use for the purpose of wireless communication. There's a growing reliance on mobile connectivity for personal and business transaction. These changes make the case for continuing a ban even more compelling, and this is reflected in the new, updated Prohibition proposal. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service, now heard on Echolink node VK3JED conference server, or on IRLP node 9509, every Sunday at 10am and 7pm. This is Dom, VK2YDD. International news with thanks to RSGB, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Wireless charging for electric vehicles. A New Zealand company has launched wireless technology that allows parked or moving electric vehicles to charge automatically. It has produced IPT, inductive power transfer technology, enabling vehicles fitted with a receiver pad to charge automatically when parked over transmitter pads buried into the ground. The press release gave no information on the frequencies the system would be using or any indication of any radio interference they may cause. Rebuilding broadcasting from ground zero. An audio recording of the 2003 Audio Engineering Society conference detailing how radio and television broadcasting was returned to the metro New York City area following the September 11, 2001 terrorist attack by Al-Qaeda is now online at the AES website. Immediately after the attack, broadcasters, especially TV stations, had to scramble to get back on air or return their service to full coverage. A common solution was to broadcast from the Empire State Building, where many had been based before moving to the World Trade Center. Nearly two years later, the then 111th AES convention featured a session titled Rebuilding New York Broadcasting. It examined the events from 9-11 through getting broadcasters back onto the air and exploring ways to make the broadcast system of the city safer and more secure. G0JHC receives Royal Order Award. Neil Carr, G0JHC, has been awarded the prestigious Royal Order of Transatlantic Brass Pounders trophy that recognises outstanding and consistent DX work. The Royal Order of Transatlantic Brass Pounders trophy was first awarded in 1924. The original members of the order were from those who operated transatlantic tests from 1921 to 1924. Copper thief electrocuted in Los Angeles suburb. A man, allegedly trying to steal copper wire from a vacant building in Los Angeles neighbourhood, was electrocuted on Saturday, October 23rd. This after he tried to cut through a power distribution site he apparently thought was deactivated but was still alive. The incident took place at an electrical vault on the lot at 3064 Firestone Boulevard at the corner of Southgate Avenue. The lot was the former site of the Liberty Cable Company but has been unoccupied for more than a year. According to police reports, the unidentified man was electrocuted and died at the scene. His female partner tried to pull him away from the vault when it caught fire and exploded, but the electrical current traveled through her body and she received severe burns. The couple's two small children were found in a truck about 15 feet from the incident, but were not injured. They were being held in protective custody by Children's Services until other family members can be found and notified. Anders Therode, LA-8LF in Drammen, Norway, 
reports over the VHF reflector that most of his Earth-Moon-Earth station equipment and all instrumentation was stolen in a recent burglary at his EME site. Also taken was most of his documentation, including his EME logs from 1987 onward, and his log from the last ARRL 23-centimeter EME contest, during which he worked some 20 new stations. He's requesting that those who worked him as a new initial contact please contact him with their CUSO information. Meanwhile, reports that some prized vintage radio equipment was stolen in a burglary at Germany's famed Kohn Radio Museum. Among the pieces taken was an OTEC Darling horn-type speaker dating back to 1926 and a Telefunken Arcolette receiver from 1927. I'm Bill Kosternak, WA6ITF. And from your friends here in the United States at the Amateur Radio Newsline, we say a hearty congratulations to the Wireless Institute of Australia on its 100th anniversary. Across Australia, from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News. In Ballarat, it can be heard on the VK3RWA repeater, 147.100, every Sunday at 11am. News, talk and radio sport, here with VK1WIA. Operational news on Felix VK4FUQ. Special events and on-air contest column dateline 2010. November 2021 WIA Spring VHF UHF Field Day. December 10, 2010 AWRL 10m Contest 000 hours UTC through Sunday evening. December the 12th at 23.59 hours UTC. Except at the peak of the sunspot cycle, 10m is generally a daytime band for DX, so you likely won't lose any sleep with this contest this year. CB Radio's Mountain Radio Challenge is only a couple of weeks away, the 27th of November. And if you'd like to participate, please let Tony 355 know on tony at cat.net.au. Special event stations, repeater, beacon, DX, and net advice. Countdown continues for the Spratlys D-Expedition. With only 60 days to go until DX0DX hits the amateur bands, the D-Expedition team leader, Chris, DU8-VK3FY, has announced it will be extended to allow participation in the CQ Worldwide 160m CW contest. He says while DX0DX was to go QRT on the 24th of January, a couple of individual and keen members have asked if they could stay on air for that contest when it ends at 22 hours UTC Sunday the 30th of January. This will now extend DX0DX activation to the 1st of February 2011. In another development, the pre-assembly, erection and tuning of 8 HF Yaki antennas in Fontana, California went extremely well with the 8 antennas tuned as per instructions for their allocated bands. Each was then partly disassembled, breaking down into four parts to allow for quick installation once they reached the island. Masts, rotators and cabling have all been finalised. Jim Linton, VK3PC, Public Affairs Coordinator for DX0DX, says DX0DX will be on the air from the 6th of January and now through to the 1st of February 2011. Buddies in the Caribbean Expedition Group head back to St Lucia. The Buddies in the Caribbean D-Expedition Group, which specialises in 100 watt or less low power radios and the Buddy Pole Portable Antenna Systems, is back again to St Lucia, J6, on December 5 to the 13th, 2010. The entire D-Expedition is limited to equipment that can fit in an airline suitcase. During the day, several teams will be battery only, field portable from either St Lucia beaches or scenic mountain tops. The group has received a unique J6BP call sign for the ARRL 10 meter contest on December the 11th and 12th. QSL via LOTW. 
International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend 2011. Strong interest is again being demonstrated in this popular annual 48-hour premier international goodwill event which sees radio amateurs going portable to put lighthouses on the air. Some 70 registrations from 18 countries have been received for the event, showing their enthusiasm to be part of it nine months in advance. Australia has 20 registrations so far, including a cluster in Bass Strait, a narrow, dangerous stretch of water between Tasmania and mainland Australia that has over 700 shipwrecks. On King Island, both lighthouses will be activated. Tony Hamling, VK3 VTH Portable 7 at the Curry Lighthouse, while Laurie Davison, VK7 ZE, has chosen the Cape Wickham Lighthouse. And across the strait to Gabo Island, Trevor Close, VK3 ATX, has registered and will be accompanied by a number of others. Also in the Bass Strait cluster is the Gippsland Gate Radio Electronics Club VK3 BYA at Wilson's Promontory Lighthouse. To Western Victoria is Cape Otway Lighthouse, registered by Michael Adams VK3 KMA. Point Lonsdale is to be activated by the Geelong Amateur Radio Club VK3 ATL. And Table Cape Light, registered by Wayne Hayes VK7 FWAY. To find out more about the 14th International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend on the 20th and 21st of August, visit the website illw.net. I'm Jim Linton, VK3PC, and you're listening to VK1WIA. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you are tuned to the WIA National News Service. From Castledon in North Brisbane, it is transmitted on 7.130 megahertz at 2300 UTC Saturdays. I'm Paul, VK4, Bravo Golf Tango. Still to come in this edition of WIA National News, Barry Robinson, Victor Kilo 3, Popper Victor with a look inside Amateur Radio Magazine, Part 2. The Q News Workbench, the Nuts and Volts Report and creation of a high-performance metal insulator metal diode could change modern electronics. Researchers at Oregon State University have sold a quest in fundamental material science that has eluded scientists since the 1960s and could form the basis of a new approach to electronics. The discovery, just reported online in the professional journal Advanced Materials, outlines the creation for the first time of a high-performance metal insulator metal diode. Media Watch in December issue of QST, you know, if you put 100 hams in a room, you'd have at least 100 ways to put up a stealth antenna. As N1GY discovered, neighbourhoods that might be adverse to a stacked array of six-element 20-metre Yagis usually don't have a problem with a flagpole. In his article, Constructing a Flagpole Antenna, he tells readers that due to restrictions in his neighbourhood, he built a flagpole antenna, and with this and 100 watts, he's able to work most of the stations he hears on 80 through 10 metres. New offshore radio book entitled Death of a Pirate. The website of the Wall Street Journal has published a review of a new book by Adrian Johns called Death of a Pirate, focusing on Major Oliver Smedley, who launched the British offshore station Radio Atlanta in 1964 and was subsequently acquitted of the murder of fellow offshore station owner Reg Calvert. Radio Atlanta arguably was home to Britain's most famous, or is that most infamous, DJ, Screaming Lord Such. The November edition of Amateur Radio Magazine, continuing on from last week's review of its contents. There's a full well-illustrated report on the super springtime that saw the special call sign VK100WIA open Perth to the world over 12 days in a collaborative effort by seven groups, achieving 2,200 contacts. 
There is a further International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend with reports from the Geelong Amateur Radio Club at the Point Lonsdale Lighthouse and Wyson VK6WIE that activated the Gilderton Lighthouse about 80 kilometres north of Perth. In technical articles, Charlie Kawaki VK3NX presents a noise meter suitable for measuring noise from the sun and the moon, while Jim Tregullis VK5JST has a detailed project RF voltmeter for transceiver measurements. Shortwave listening notes from Robin Harwood VK7RH includes a reference to harmful interference from two over-the-horizon radar systems, one in China and the other rumoured to be in Cyprus and a report on the winter VHF-UHF field day experience by Phil Derbyshire of VK2FIL and team that participated in the 24-hour multi-section of the contest north of Central Tablelands area of New South Wales. Amateur Radio Magazine, a WIA membership service and also available at selected newsagents. I'm Barry Robinson, VK3PV, and you're listening to VK1WIA. Intruder Watch Enforcement Zone and RSGB to investigate mystery signal. Many UK amateurs who operate on 501 to 504 kilohertz have reported over the past months reception of a wide band signal between 498 and 502 kilohertz. The RSGB is investigating the matter, but it is possible that it is an early trial of a so-called e-navigation MFSK system that the Maritime Service is proposing for this part of the spectrum at WRC 12 preparation meetings. Tunnel Vision. Recently, the ACMA received notice of interference to the 7km Clem 7 tunnel in Brisbane. The interfering signal only occurred between 9 and 11. The Clem 7 communicating systems operate immediately above 403 MHz in the land mobile band. Field operations officers from the ACMA discovered that every week the interference changed direction. Eventually they triangulated the direction towards Morton Island which indicated the interference could be associated with shipping, dredges, wave and channel buoys. Another thought was surveyors could be moving a malfunctioning or spurious differential globe positioning system from location to location. Eventually, one of the team remembered hearing the same type of noise when working in Fiji and successfully identified the interference as coming from a weather balloon's radioson transmitter which measures various atmospheric parameters and transmits them to a fixed receiver. The Brisbane office of the Bureau of Meteorology quickly confirmed that a weather balloon is released every morning at 9am transmitting on 403 MHz. This of course explained why the position of the interference kept changing. The wind direction would be consistent for a few days, weeks. Then maybe the team's direction finding readings would alter as the wind changed. While the Met Bureau have a spectrum frequency allocation of 400 to 403 megs, the transmitter was drifting above this range and causing interference to Clem 7's land mobile radio systems. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In South Australia's Riverland, listen for the broadcast every Sunday evening at 8pm local time on repeater VK5RLD 147.925. I'm Andy, VK5 Lima Alpha. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group News. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Females in Radio. The SAYLNet has kicked off from Pretoria. All YLs are invited to their next on-air meeting to be held on November the 28th, 1500 hours CAT on the Miguelis repeater. That's 145.750 MHz. 
with a relay on 7065 kHz. And the ladies, they can join in also via echo link, link to repeater ZS6FCS-R. And Alara, that's the Australian Ladies AR Association, well, their wireless net is held each Monday on 3.580 MHz, commencing at 1000 hours UTC during daylight saving. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Naval, the UK Navy's website, has been hacked. British Royal Navy was forced to lower its website after it was disrupted by hackers, the Ministry of Defence said last Monday. A message on the website read, Unfortunately, the Royal Navy's website is currently undergoing essential maintenance. Please visit us again soon. It comes just weeks after the government announced a £650 million national cyber security program. We can confirm that there was a compromise of the RN website over the weekend, a Royal Navy spokesman said in a statement. There has been no malicious damage, but as a precaution, the RN website has been temporarily suspended as security teams are investigating. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio. Weiss and Victoria votes to remove Amateur Radio Victoria from their rules of association. At a special general meeting convened to consider the issue, the membership of Weiss and Victoria voted unanimously to pursue the removal of the old Wireless Institute of Australia and Victorian Division, now trading as Amateur Radio Victoria, from their rules of association. As the rules currently stand, WAA Vic Division or ARV must agree in writing before any changes can be made to the Weissen rules. And down south, VK7's Weissen South are requesting the pleasure of their friends at their now traditional end of year lunch to be held on Saturday, the 11th of December, at Rosie's Kitchen Kettering. Please indicate your attendance to the Weissen South team with an email to vk7trf at wia.org.au. And now for the lowdown column with a new 500 kilohertz permit in the Czech Republic. OK2BVG OK has been given permission to operate between 501 and 504 kilohertz with a maximum power of 20 watts ERP until the 1st of September 2011. 11 countries in Region 1 are now authorised in this part of the 500 kHz band and more information can be found on the IARU Region 1 website. UK Dreamers banned first transmission on 8.760 kHz. Last week we mentioned Roger, G3XBM. Well, he has transmitted a QRSS3 beacon signal on 8.760 kHz under the terms of his recently received licence, and he thinks that this may be the very first in the UK. TX was 4 watts from a TDA 2002 audio IC matched into earth electrodes 20 metres apart. The beacon message, his call sign and QTH locator, in QRSS3 was provided by a K1EL Kia chip and the frequency reference was a HF crystal divided down by 512 times in a 4060 divider IC. Clear QRSS3 reception was possible 5.1 kilometres away from the transmitter location detecting the signal with an 80 centimetre loop fed into an E-field probe high input impedance into a Spectran software. Marginal reception was just possible at 5.3 kilometres. UK Dreaming has started, if only modestly. 
Well, that's all I have for you for this week. This has been Robert, VK3DN, reporting from Melbourne. Well, that takes us just about to the end of WIA National News for another week on the social scene. Today, November 14, is the VK4 President's Lunch at Rockhampton. December 4, in VK7 Central Highlands Hamfest at Miena. Next year, 2011, January 30, in VK2, the Mid-North Coast Radio Expo. That's at Coffs Harbour. February 13, Centre Victoria's Radio Fest number 4. April 18 is World Amateur Radio Day. And this year, the theme is the first technology-based social network. And May 27-29, WIA AGM weekend in Darwin. On the Rewind scene, the Crystal Set Builders. Amateurs would be very interested in a story on how a group of amateur radio operators contributed a huge effort to the winning of the great naval battles in the Pacific during the Second World War. The same group then went on to kick-start the digital computer industry from techniques developed during the war. John Victor Kilo 3 Tango Charlie Tango has written a story detailing some of the developments and how it came about. Two men from the period were responsible for equipment development and took on one of the world's great corporations, IBM. IBM was forced to pay out a huge sum of money to the group and IBM did not catch these two men for another 50 odd years. The article can be found on the Control Data Australia ex-employees website by just googling EXCDA. That's E-X-C-D-A. And the actual link itself, courtesy of John VK3TCT, is in the web edition of this week's Ham Radio News from the Wireless Institute of Australia, best read at wia.org.au. Till next we meet, I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.